Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Friday, July 14th. It is six minutes after nine. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there as well, Casey Daniels 317. And we start off the program with some surplus, it sounds like. <laughs> the state, the great state of Indiana, us Hoosiers, we ended the 23 fiscal year with $2.9 billion in reserve accounts. That's $2.9 billion with a B, Rob. Okay, Casey. So you are a, an established, long-standing, respected broadcaster. And so you will understand when I tell you, you are bearing the lead when you talk about $2.9 billion in reserves. Mm-hmm. Because the two stories here are, number one, the gargantuan amount of money that was in the reserves that the state lawmakers plowed through in the past year for legalized vote buying. And number two, and probably the bigger of the two, is that they deliberately spent enough money to avoid having to give you a tax refund. Okay, now they were expecting to have $6.1 billion in reserves, fell short of that, $2.9 billion. It still sounds like a whole lot of money. Well, but no, 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 Casey. They didn't fall short of it. They had $6 billion in reserves, and they plowed through $3.1 billion in expenditures, and they did that deliberately because the lawmakers were really upset that you were going to get your money back. Okay, so break that down for us. $2.9 billion still sounds like an awful lot of money. It sounds like Hoosiers should be getting some of that back. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a disgusting Mm -hmm. amount of money. I mean, so when we talk about air quote reserves, we're talking about over taxation as in, even in the bloated, inefficient, far too big government that the state of Indiana puts together, whatever it is, $44.5 billion now or whatever it is. There was $6 billion extra, as in they overtaxed people to the tune of $6 billion. And there was, as Bob Dylan once said, once upon a time you dressed so fine, mm-hmm. there was a, a automatic under Mitch Daniels, an automatic taxpayer refund by which if we collected, it was, I believe, $2 billion in reserves, we were receiving automatic money back. And that makes sense, right? If you have taken more than you need, we have established a number by which we feel comfortable. Hey, if there's a catastrophe, we need this amount of money to effectively and efficiently run the government. Everything else will go back to the people. And what the lawmakers said is, oh my gosh, that is awful that people would get their money back, Mm -hmm. and we totally need that money. And when I say lawmakers, we're talking about Republican supermajorities, supermajorities in the Indiana House, supermajorities in the Indiana Senate, and a Republican governor. They deliberately spent enough money, and they changed the law on the way the refund mechanism was conducted to ensure you wouldn't get a single solitary dime. $6 billion in overtaxation, Casey, and you got nothing back. And it sounds like they spent the $3.1 billion in one-time spending, primarily on capital construction project overruns. Yes, they made sure, without a doubt, 
that they spent right to the number they needed to spend to avoid giving you a single solitary dime back. These Repu- and Indiana Capital Chronicle has the story. It is a great piece, very well written, great detail about just what disgusting pigs, now they didn't use those terms, that's my words, not theirs, what <laughs> disgusting pigs Eric Holcomb and Rod Bray and Todd Houston and every single other Republican in the Indiana General Assembly is because they all voted for this budget. Every single one of them voted for it. We had Becky Cash come in here with her lame-ass excuses about why she voted for it. Every one of these people suck. They stole our money. They took it from us. Six billion dollars. And what they do, they spent just enough to make sure we didn't get a dime back. In years past, we've gotten about $325 back in multiple waves in 21 and in 22. Don't expect that money this year because it ain't happening. And this is why, you know, we had Curtis Hill on, what was that, Tuesday or Wednesday that we had Curtis on. And he talked about the just piss poor way that Indiana budgets that they approve expenditures, that they account for the expenditures. Now, look, he's still scant on details about where he's going to cut and spending and where he's going to cut taxes, but at least he was the first guy... To say, we need to look at what we're spending on. Right, to acknowledge... What can we do without? And this is Republicans, right? Like, I mean, the Republican Party is the party of big government... And big taxes. I went to a, I went to a town council meeting last night. Of Casey. course you and, did. And so this is across, and what I'm talking about is this is across the board. So I went. I had the great misfortune of subjecting myself to five of the dumbest people alive who run the town of Brownsburg last night. Uh, did not have the cops weaponized That's on good. me this time. And in this meeting, it just magically showed up on the agenda. A couple days with a couple days notice, they plan to spend 18 million dollars on a swimming pool, on a Casey. Pool. Yeah. And in the meeting. They acknowledged that if we didn't spend this $18 million on the swimming pool, we could provide massive property tax relief for the citizens. And so I get up at the end and go, wait a second, you five all espoused to be Republicans and you are lusting over how much money you can spend on a bright, shiny object that at least half the communities told you they absolutely don't want. This is the Republican Party now. At the local level, look at Noblesville. $36 million on a facility for the Simon family to have a free spot for their G League team to play. You've got Fishers building ice skating rinks. You've got the Republican backstabbers on the Hamilton Southeastern School Board approving tax referendums. It is across the board, colossal, epic, disgusting failure by the Republican Party in this state. All right, it is 12 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. The other big news that came out yesterday was that Jefferson Shreve has released his public safety plan, and in it, he called for stricter gun control. (laughs) Okay, so I was given, without, you know, I vault things and Mm -hmm. sources and everything else, I was given a bit of a heads up that he was going to release a plan yesterday. And I was told there may be things that might not necessarily be right in your wheelhouse. And I said, okay, I'm going to withhold judgment until I see this because we have, sure. we have acknowledged this before and it is truth. And we are truth brokers on the show, Casey, a Marion County Republican has to be different than Republicans throughout the rest of the state just based on the makeup of the electorate, right? Donald Trump is not, or a Donald Trump type Republican is not going to get elected in Marion County. County. It's just not going to happen. And I am not 
naive enough. It's why people said, well, you're supporting Abdul and he's got a bunch of liberal policies. Yes, but Abdul would have been markedly better on the one thing that mattered, which was crime. And I was very clear about that. And an Abdul-like Republican is probably the only type of Republican that can get elected based on the makeup. So I told the people, I said, I'm going to withhold judgment until you see the plan. See the plan. And there are many things in the plan that he released that are really good reestablishing the public safety director. Mm -hmm. There are a variety of other things that he has plans for that will probably make the city more safe. However, his plan, which is the Hogsett plan, to attempt to subvert state law, basically, and and, and pin blame on legal law-abiding gun owners and try to make life more difficult for them, that that was even worse than I imagined it would be. And based on the reaction that I saw yesterday. Yeah. And I say this as somebody who desperately wants Jefferson Shreve to be the mayor. I desperately want Joe Hogsett out. I desperately want him to win. He did what is probably irreversible damage to his base yesterday. Yeah, well, to his campaign, for sure. Okay, so he said he would seek raising the legal age to purchase a gun from 18 to 21. He would repeal permitless carry, and he would ban assault weapon sales. And we go back to that argument. Please tell me what's the difference between an assault weapon and any other weapon. Uh, One other thing, he would expand the boundary for local ordinance banning firearm discharge to include the entire city limits. Right now, the discharge ordinance only applies within the police special service district. So it's just a bigger space. And again, and the reason, and look, you know, we're going to have hammer on Mm -hmm. later and, you know, hammer and went off on it yesterday and uh, you know, I mean, it was just, it was bad across the board. And I, Hammer and I talked about this on off the, off the rails. When, when you are running an uphill campaign, which Jefferson Shreve is as a Republican in a largely Democrat city, you have to get people to believe in you. Mm-hmm. And the believe in you process is rooted in a genuine nature of who you are as a human. It's part of why Greg Ballard won. Now, Greg Ballard had inherited advantages. Property taxes were totally out of control. Uh, Ballard, uh, 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 the, the guy who was the mayor that he beat, and my name's just drawing a blank right now, Peterson, was uh, was at the center of that. There was kind of a perfect storm. But Greg Ballard also went areas Republicans don't usually go, gave a message Republicans don't usually give to people who don't usually hear it, and was seen as a very genuine, direct person who people could believe in. The message Jefferson Shreve gave yesterday, because nobody believes that he actually believes that gun confiscation or these gun-free zones or this, I mean, it's a gun-free zone where that poor sheriff's deputy was murdered. Mm -hmm. What happened? It didn't matter. The gun is not the issue. The criminal, the crime, the lack of enforcement of crime, Joe Hogsett, Ryan Mears, the criminals believe it is a do-drop-in society. That is the issue here. And what Jefferson Shreve did yesterday with that, and it, it stinks because he's got a lot of good stuff in the rest of the proposal, is he became a virtue signaler. Somebody who's not a serious person who was just saying whatever he thought polling wanted him to hear. And look, he's not going to win any votes because of that. Not one person is going to go, well, I was on the fence, but because Jefferson Shreve has the same opinion as Joe Hogsett does, well, now I'm going to vote for Shreve. No, what he did yesterday is he alienated himself to a lot of people who are in his base who now want nothing to do mm-hmm. with him. Made it worse. 
I, I went the other direction. I, look, again, I say this to somebody who desperately wants Joe Hoxett out of here. I, the city cannot deal with four more years of this guy. He's a disaster. But gosh darn it, run a direct campaign on Joe Hoxett. You don't have to come up with bizarre, stupid ideas on confiscating guns or gun control or that aren't going to never. The state is never going to prove that. And he knows that. Run a direct campaign. Where was Joe Hogsett during the riots? Everybody knows where he was. Tell everybody. Say it out loud. If he wasn't where everybody knows he was and what he was doing, make him tell you where he was. Mm -hmm. Joe Hogsett is the issue. And Jefferson Shreve seeded that ground yesterday by teaming up with Joe Hogsett for a stupid proposal and everything else he had in his public safety proposal no one's talking about. It's 18 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It's after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Some research conducted in collaboration with Trinity College in Dublin saying that a dose, which equals to about 20 minutes per day for five days a week of moderate, intense physical activity, and they're calling this brisk walking, yes. for example, will lessen any depressive symptoms or any chances of major depression. Of course, depression, an increasingly common condition among adults and depression linked to a host of different problems like cognitive decline, cardiovascular disease, chronic pain, even an increased risk of death and suicide. Uh, They're saying that depression costs the United States alone approximately $210 billion a year. Isn't that fascinating? uh, You look at people and I saw a chart yesterday that it was a it was a virtual graphic that in real time state by state tracked obesity over the past 50 years and it is amazing in our state and in many many others across mm-hmm. this country how over the past 25 years obesity levels have risen you have, sky, you have skyrocketed yeah and uh Physical activity is lowered. It, it is. I mean, physical activity is a huge part of it. It is two things. It is diet and it is physical activity. Mm-hmm. And if you can get both of those under moderate control, yeah, you will be a, there is a good chance, you will be a much happier, mm-hmm. much happier, healthy, productive person. Yes, absolutely. 23 minutes after nine, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So they found no fingerprints, no DNA, and no suspect on the baggie of cocaine that was found in the lobby at the White House. Uh, Surveillance video didn't indicate anyone either. (laughs) 
<laughs> the Secret Service has said that there are no leads about who brought the drugs into the people's house. We got a call. We're going to play it during voicemails from a local police officer. So this is a guy, not the Secret Service, just a local police officer. And he said, if you gave me 30 minutes, <laughs> I, I could figure out who that. I mean, this is a joke, right? Mm-hmm. This is a this is just another example, just like with the Hunter Biden non-prosecution, just like the styming of the Hunter Biden laptop, where the left in this country, along with law enforcement, are literally extending both of their middle fingers right in your face and saying, what are you going to do about it? It's like there's not equal justice, Rob. (laughs) Uh, Anything uh, revolving around the Biden White House gets treated different than any other American. And it seems interesting if they were to find a baggie of cocaine here in the studio. Yeah. What do you think would happen? Oh, there'd be some questions. People would be asked, do you know who it belongs to? Maybe mandatory drug testing. Uh Uh, But that's not happening at the White House. Uh, Okay, let's role play this, Casey. Because I know your dream has always been to role play with me. Mm -hmm. Um, What... if if a bag of cocaine were found in the WIBC studio, and let's say it is Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. okay? So it is found sometime Monday through Friday. Who of all the people that would be in this studio Monday through Friday is the most likely culprit oh. to have a bag of cocaine in the WIBC studios? Well, clearly it's the cocaine bear who brought it in. <laughs> But that's, we would be right asking. Answer. We would be asking, wouldn't we? No, be, uh, no I, you're, you're it, dodging, Casey. Who, if you found a bag of cocaine, who is the most likely person Monday through Friday? I'm, it could be producers. It could be the newsroom. It could be the on-air personalities. Name a name. Who is the most likely person to have brought that bag of cocaine into the WIBC studios? Oh, gosh, Kevin. Okay, let me just say, we have a lot of guests that come in here. It's like a revolving door. See, look at him. He's playing like the Secret Service right now. He's Uh, saying there's tourists, there's construction workers, there's a lot of people. I don't really think it is Kevin or would be Kevin. You're right. It would would totally be Allison Lemons, wouldn't it? Right, but that would be the conversation. And then there would be the private conversations that, Rob, no, seriously, come here. Yeah. Is that you? Yeah. Do you know who it is? Tell me. Absolutely. And you would do the, I may know, I have an idea but it's in the vault. And then I would say, no, no, dude, for real. Sure. Who do you think it is? Absolutely. Those are the same conversations that have to be happening in the White House. Uh, so our old pal, Large Marge, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she uh, had some sort of impromptu press conference yesterday and she made a great point. There are not that many people that work in the White House who it could have been. Let's drug test everyone. Uh, Just speaking with the Secret Service now, my question to them was they were able to narrow down a list of approximately 500 people that had left a small bag of cocaine in a cubby. Now, these are cubbies that are um, controlled by the administration, not by the Secret Service when they enter into the foyer off the West Executive Entrance. Uh, this this cocaine was found there, so they were able to bring the list, narrow it down to approximately 500 people. My question to them was, have they drug tested this list of 500 potential suspects that brought an illegal substance, a drug, cocaine, into the White House? Their answer was no, and that they're unwilling to do so. Uh, it makes no sense to me whatsoever why they would not follow through on one simple task in that is to drug test a list of 500 people that they have um, that are potential suspects for this when the American people uh, every single day go through drug tests in order to do a job, a job by the way, that brings them a paycheck where they have to pay their taxes and guess what? 
their tax dollars go to pay for all of our salaries and they pay for the secret service. Okay, so this leads you to ask, are they having a rave at the White House? What's going on there? And this is happening on your dime, on your time. And if this is their attitude towards the cocaine in the White House, what exactly is their attitude towards the fentanyl that is pouring across our border? All right, when we come back, Casey, this Mm -hmm. happens uh, every year at about this time. There are certain suburban school corporations who have euphoric celebrations over the I Learn scores, and you hear them shout, We are number one. We are in the top five. We're this, we're that. When in reality, they all absolutely suck. D. Yeah. The, the grade be- of D. The best in Indiana, if we were going on the grading scale that they use, would be a D. Yep. And Tony Kennett will join us coming up next to talk about this just highly fraudulent phony celebration from school corporations over their iLearn scores. It's, it's coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Central Indiana School Corporations, well, they throw themselves a big old party for being mediocre at best. Congratulations! We did the same. <laughs> We're talking about the I Learn scores, and well, that involves public education. And anything that involves public education, we turn to one man. You know him as the Tonist from the Daily Signal. Tony Kennett joins us now on the DriveHubler.com hotline. How are you, my friend? I am doing much better than uh, one-third of our public school students, that's for sure. (laughs) Okay, so I love this. Of course, I live in Brownsburg, and I always laugh about this. We're the number one school system in the entire state of Indiana. So this iLearn test, Brownsburg does the best, but yet only like 63% of their kids pass. But then you've got the Brownsburg school system and the people in our town throwing themselves a giant parade that 37% of the kids failed. Did I miss anything there? Uh, yes, you missed it in any other field in any way, shape, or form. If you launched those kind of statistics, you would be destroyed. Like, imagine if I went to the hospital this afternoon and there's a sign out front that says, Welcome to our hospital. Two thirds of our doctor can get through surgery without killing the patient. Can, can you imagine? <laughs> no. I would Two thirds just... of our lawyers can make sure our clients are, you know, made it through the court process safely. I mean, good God. I would choose a different hospital or a different lawyer. This is the kind of stuff that we expect out of our public education system. No one expects public schools to actually have a passing grade in terms of percentage of 67 percent, which is not what Brownsburg has. That's an F. You know, that that is a failing grade. And they're walking around high on their haunchy laurels, acting like they've just made the moon landing three times last week. (laughs) Okay, so let's break it down just a little bit. They're saying that the students' scores have remained relatively unchanged from last year's results. And they go on to say in this article in IndyStar that it's going to take a few years. The uh, Secretary of Education said it's going to take multiple years. How many years, Tony, do you think it will take to turn this around? 
Well, that 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 excuse doesn't even make sense because kids progress through grades. So saying it's going to take a couple of years to get through just means that she's saying it's going to take a couple of years for us to get new kids into schools that were never affected by the COVID pandemic. Um, it's an incredibly disingenuous remark. Uh, I'm amazed that she – well, I'm not amazed that she would say that. She says stupid things like that all the time. Uh, but in, in this case, that's not how any of that works. Uh, as we see private charter schools, a lot of religious schools, homeschool students, micro school students, they were very unaffected uh, by the pandemic because they kept going to school. But also Brownsburg and most other public schools in the state do not follow the science of reading and other academically proven methods to teach reading and mathematics. They don't. They follow this weird, nonsensical garbage that the the school district has bought from Pearson or Houston Mifflin this month that doesn't work as effectively as proven methods. So her saying, well, we're going to catch up eventually. Your scores weren't exactly hot to begin with, ma'am. I don't know what you're doing. Well, so I question you is this, Kenneth, is when I was in school, now that was back in the the Stone Age because I'm much older than you, and it was before public school was woke. But when I was in school, 63% was a D. Now, we didn't take D and put them on the refrigerator at home, but Brownsburg got a D, and they are running around. I mean, there are just parades in the street. There are, you know, mommies on the townie chatterboard just losing their minds over this. I mean, we're basically saying a D is outstanding in the state of Indiana. Yeah, and these are the same moms that tell their kids good job after the kid completely whiffed at the soccer game last weekend. So I, I'm not really, you know, looking for some of the suburban parents of Brownsburg who are proud of 67% to uh, govern how I think our public education system should run. Neither am I looking at the teacher who was struggling to find uh, some cartoon for her kids to watch when she came in hungover last month, because that happens in our education system far too often. We do not expect very much out of the academic performance of our students, and therefore we do not expect a lot from our teachers or parents in making that happen. And these are the consequences. You have people running around giddy in euphoria that one-third of the students in that school can't even read the report card that says the kid's not doing well. Yeah, Tony Kennett's our guest. We're talking about these I learn scores and the just hilarious response from these school districts about how poorly they do, yet they want you to believe it's great. I've done this before, Tony, when you hear people go, we're the number one school system in the state. What does that mean? And you get crickets. So on one hand, it shows how uninformed many people are, but it also shows what a good job the full force manipulation machine and Dr indoctrination machine these school systems have done because they get these parents to buy this without having any idea what it actually means. And and besides that, everyone starts to use things like this to ignore the other issues in the district. I remember a story a couple of years ago in which there was an individual who violently robbed a bank, meaning that they not only robbed the bank, but they also terrorized individuals inside the bank. But when the FBI was investigating this individual after he'd been arrested, they found that his dog at home was very well taken care of. And there were people saying, oh, isn't that nice? Even though he's a violent criminal, at least he's nice to his pets. That's what this Brownsburg situation is. Oh, well, yeah, sure. A third of the kids can't read, but isn't it nice that two out of the other three can? Isn't that just super duper? Sure, they're forcing special education students to eat vomit, but this isn't like the next door district where only five out of ten kids can read. I mean, come on, guys. 
Uh, Tony Kidda, our guest. Yeah, to look at some of these other schools that we're told are just meccas of greatness. They've got all these school referendums. You got Carmel Clay can't get to sixty percent. Zionsville can't even get to fifty-five percent. I think Zionsville has like ninety-three referendums. Clearly, all this money they're taking from people isn't leading to success when it comes to actually taking the test. And that's the real criticism that I have, is that we keep asking everyone for more and more and more money, but nothing to show for it. And and no matter who it is that we seem to get in, we seem to try to change the system. They come and they look, well, guys, yeah, we have all of these people that really don't do anything in the school. Yeah, we, you know, we're spending all of this money on programs and things that actually don't benefit education. Yeah, it's time to build the 415th athletic facility for this district. But, you know. Come on. I mean, what do you expect us to turn around and make sure all the kids can read and do addition and subtraction? That's asking too much. Give us more money. Okay. Now they're saying that there was a little bit of recovery in math. However, we're lagging behind still in language arts and also in science. So do we look to the educators? Do we look to the governor? Do we look to Dr. Box gynecologist who helped shut the state down? I mean, who, who do we turn to to say what's going on here? It's time to recover cover already. Uh, you turn to the curriculum. You turn to what kids are being taught in the reading and mathematics, science, and history classes. Because you get garbage in, garbage out. Schools do not spend. There's a reason that homeschool families are able to spend three hours a day learning, if that, and the kids are reading at a higher grade level and performing at a higher mathematics level than public school students. Schools are not utilizing the time correctly. Number two, the ratios of, of student to teacher are completely wrong. Number three, we don't hold students accountable when there's violence in the classroom, disruptions, and it keeps the other kids from learning. Number four, we don't hold parents accountable in the public school situation because the kid goes home, the parents don't reinforce anything. Number five, we don't hold the teachers accountable. This is a complete mess all the way through the system, but it starts in what the kid is being taught because back in the Stone Ages, when Rob was in the classroom, <laughs> he, was taught, he was taught this mystical thing called phonics, or for the modern people who don't believe in that, pahonics. And phonics <laughs> is an important science when it comes to reading. And if kids don't learn it, they struggle to read. And unlike math, which you can kind of make up, if you make it to third or fourth grade and you've screwed up reading, there's a very high chance that you're going to be screwed up in reading forever. So, you know, it's what you are putting into the education system. It has much more to do than who's up at the top that, that is, you know, making little decisions regarding Pearson or whomever this year. Okay, now the Indiana Department of Education says that they're in the process of redesigning how iLearn is going to be administered. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Oh, they're in the process. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, good. Do you have some thoughts on this? <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we had iStep a couple years ago. Then we went to iLearn. This is the biggest scam in education administration. Let me tell you guys how this goes, because I used to write the science tests for districts. iLearn, iStep, all of the state academic testing, they all make a big deal about that so that they can convince you, the taxpayer, that they are worth the salary that you're overpaying them for. They sit there every day and they, quote unquote, agonize over every single question. That's what we're doing. We're making sure we accurately test the kids with the least amount of stress. What a bunch of BS. The tests are not as important as they're making them out to be. It is such a scam to tell Hoosiers that we're spending all of our time reworking, revamping the test. It's the eighth time you've revamped the test in the last two decades, Karen. Maybe (laughs) it's time to get someone else in there to write the test. Hey, this is a true story. I don't know if I've ever told this story on this this radio station before. When I was in high school, it was was I-Step back Mm -hmm. then. (laughs) I literally, Casey, fell asleep 
during the test. Mm. Did not finish the test. They looked at the test. They sent me down to the guidance office, and they then proceeded to let me finish the test because it was going to look bad for the school corporation mm-hmm. if I did that bad. Tony, I, I, I could not believe they let me do that, but they were more concerned with how the district was going to look than whether I actually knew the stuff or could even stay awake to take the test. No one actually takes the the way that the iStep or the iLearn tests are made or created or assessed are, are all of those different things seriously. Um, it obviously, it's one of the only indicators that we have as to whether a kid is reading. So we do have to take that part seriously. But as to how these tests are created, how they're carried out, are absolutely silly, which again, which is one of the reasons why if I ever make it to the state superintendent position, my very first act is going to be firing 95% of the staff at the Indiana Department of Education. Okay, so Rob brings up a good point, and we've heard it over and over for years that the school system is just teaching our students how to take a test, not actually retaining the information or the instruction. Apparently, they're not teaching it very well, Casey. Well, you have to stay awake to take the test. But what do you think of that, Tony? Well, I think it's true, but I think the blame is laid on the wrong person. So a lot of people think back to that Simpsons episode where the teacher is like just reading the letters out loud for <laughs> students to memorize. And I don't think I don't think that it's teacher's fault, because when you're a teacher in the classroom, you, you have no other alternative. You have the standards that are set forth by the state legislature and the Department of Education. And those that's what you have to teach to, because there are way too many standards to teach in a single year. And there are way too many different concepts to put in front of kids that, again, are not the fundamental things that every kid should know. We have high schoolers taking advanced calculus who do not need to know advanced calculus to be a part of this economy or to even be a successful scientist or mathematician until they get to college. We're wasting time. But. That's not the fault of our teachers. It's the fault of whoever in the DOE has decided that we need our students to understand advanced lesbian quantum basket weaving physics <laughs> in ninth grade instead of understanding basic geology, geography, and civics. There's a lot of schools that can opt into the new redesign of iLearn starting in 24, oh 25 before they roll it out across the state 25, 26. Should the schools opt in? Should they wait? What do you recommend? It doesn't matter. <laughs> they do this every two or three years. I'm serious. This is something that Democrats and Republicans can actually agree on, who are teachers in the classroom. See, how many times have you guys heard your principal waddle up to the stage? Because it's always a waddle. They're a little fat and sassy by that time. They get up to the podium and go, well, it's time for another new I learn, another new I step. And you're like, yeah, I know. It, it's a day ending in Y. I mean, it's like it rotates like a teen girl's wardrobe. Good God. Oh, you are a national treasure, my friend. And we love you. The one and only Tony Kennett. Find him at the Daily Signal, dailysignal.com. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It's in front of 10 o'clock. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Can I just say how much I love our producer, Kevin? He's amazing. Kevin is just the sweetest, nicest guy in the world, and he's so well-behaved. Mm-hmm. And if you have a daughter who is probably between the ages of 22 and maybe 28, Kevin would be perfect for them. He's shaking his head no. Because during the break, he's you know, Kevin lines up the bumper music, yeah. and he's just so polite and nice. He goes... Can can we play a song with Kinky mm-hmm. in the lyrics on the on the air? Can we say I was just Kinky being cautious. on the air? I mean, I love this song, but I I didn't want to get in trouble by Matt. But or the, but that, that's what I'm saying is if you have an available daughter <laughs> or even a daughter who is with an underachiever of some sort, <laughs> Kevin, she is, can do better. Absolutely, you you strongly need mm-hmm. to consider sending your daughter Kevin's way because he is just the nicest. He is everything I was not. And you're as such, your daughter would be very happy with Kevin. I just didn't Kevin. want you guys to get in trouble. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for looking out as Rob is looking out for you in your love life right now. You can send all of your submissions to Rob M. Kendall on Twitter and see how he does his matchmaker. Let's talk about what's going on in Hollywood. The, uh, the union, they decided to go on strike. They're joining the screenwriters. It's the first joint strike in more than six decades. Oh, First no. time. Oh, that'd be oh, terrible. Oh, oh, no. How would we have to survive without Hollywood? Oh, oh man. No, yeah. They're shutting down production across the entire entertainment industry. Oh. So what does this mean? It means they can't make movies. They can't make TV uh-huh. shows. They can't write movies. They yeah. can't write TV shows. They can't edit. They can't do any production. And they can't promote as well. And this punishes me how, Casey? It does not. As someone who watches zero new television, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess the one thing I have watched, but it's in after it's already run and then it's on a streaming service is Yellowstone. But trust me, if I have to go without the final season of Yellowstone, I'll be okay. I love the self-importance that these people put on themselves. Like you are in an industry that is dying as is. We all know the big trouble that TV and film is in. Uh, We all know, I mean, just the colossal one flop after another streaming service is in trouble. And yet these people are so self-important that instead of recognizing you're fighting for survival, I know we'll go on strike and the people will be really sympathetic Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, they'll side with us. Is there a more unlikable story than this? (laughs) Like, who cares on any side about these people? And their strife, right? Okay, so it's the first time since 1960 that this has happened when Ronald Reagan was the actor... Guild president. And you know who holds that position now? Oh, who? Fran Drescher. Oh, wow. The nanny. Yes, I was going to say, what was the name of the show mm-hmm. that she was on? It was the And she a was nanny also on. Fran. Yeah, mm-hmm. what was Wasn't the. Uh, what was the. Was she on Designing Women? Is that right? I don't know. Was Is that she? Delta Burke? I don't know. Let well, me see. Delta Burke was on that show. Yeah, let me see. Well, let me do this real quick. Was Fran. She's the one with Drescher, the laugh. Yeah, I, on. 
designing. <laughs> she said employers make Wall Street and greed their priority, and they forget about the essential contributions that make the machine run. It's disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history. So this happened just after uh, they had this three-year contract, and it expired, and talks broke down. They pushed it back by about 12 days, and some are claiming that they did that just in time so that they could promote some of the movies that are coming out like the um, uh, Mission Impossible movie, Oppenheimer and Barbie. But there were people that were on the premiere of the Oppenheimer movie in London and they actually moved up the premiere an hour so that when they were done walking the red carpet, all of the actors could walk off the red carpet in time to go on strike and disappear into the ether. Boy, I'm just going to, I'm going to miss all of them so much and Mm -hmm. I just hope it gets settled and uh, nothing like literally taking a sword and just stabbing it right into your midsection. So SAG is officially on strike and they have seven different picket lines. There's going to be four in New York today from noon until four and then there will be three out in Los Angeles from nine until one this morning. Oh, be darn. Delta Burke is still alive. Mm. Uh, was was it Fran Drescher? She was not on Designing Women. I have no idea where that came from. I think I did get her and Delta Burke confused because they look moderately close in appearance. Yeah. Uh, so Fran Drescher, she says that workers in the industry are united. They're demanding to be paid their fair share of the wealth they generate for the studios. <laughs> it's always with the fair share with these people, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, you do a service. You are offered an amount of money for the service. If you don't want to do it for that amount of money... Then go do something else. don't. You agreed to make that amount of money for that act. I am just always amazed at these people. And again, just the the self-importance that they throw on themselves. And I just, boy, I... I, uh, if I, I say know you're I, sad. I, you're if, broken if, up about if this. If I say I hope you all starve, is that mean of me? Yes. Oh, well, then I then I won't say that. Okay. I'll just no. think it to myself, Casey. <laughs> okay. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Happy Friday. Thanks for listening. And she will never let your spirits down. Once you get her off the street.